Welcome to this recording of the Activist Lawyer Podcast, brought to you from the Granite Podcast Studio in the heart of Newry City. We are delighted that you could join us at Activist Lawyer, where we will be discussing a range of topical matters engaging not only with lawyers, but people who are committed to highlighting and combating injustices and inequalities. We will bring you our thoughts, but invite you to share yours. We'll be looking for contributors to our blog at activistlawyer.com, as we want your perspective as we unravel and unpack a host of issues. My name is Sarah Henry and I'm a solicitor practicing in Newry City. I worked with a human rights firm in Dublin for many years and with a number of rights-based organisations and charities. I'm looking forward to meeting some fantastic guests throughout this series. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Activist Lawyer podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Um, Today we are joined by Megan Burns. Megan is a recent law graduate as of today. I think from today it's actually four o'clock she's graduating. Um, from Queen's University Belfast with an undergraduate degree in law. Um, she is then going on to study a master's in law and technology and she has received a first class mark for her research into cryptocurrency and how it's regulated. So that's important because today we're going to be speaking about cryptocurrency and the technology around it and how this has a surprising role in social movements and activism. We'll also cover what cryptocurrency is for anyone who hasn't seen it all over the internet over the last two years and we'll talk about how it will help activists and social movements grow. So Megan, thank you for joining the Activist Lawyer podcast today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's no problem. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency, which has been all over TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and I'm, I'd be surprised if anyone hasn't actually just heard of it, even from Elon Musk. Um, so we'll just jump right into the main question, which people will probably want to listen to the most which is what is cryptocurrency so even though cryptocurrency has become so popular these days with like bitcoin and dogecoin and stuff and it's been hitting the mainline uh, mainstream headlines many people probably have no clue what cryptocurrency is so if you're explaining it to me or somebody who hasn't invested in dogecoin what is cryptocurrency yeah, so when I discuss cryptocurrency or try to describe describe my research, I usually have to say, you know, have you heard of Bitcoin or Dogecoin to actually begin describing what I am talking about because these coins have really been the focal point of swelling media attention in relation to cryptocurrency in recent months. But there really is so much more to talk about in this area. So really in the simplest terms, I'd say cryptocurrency is a new digital medium of exchange. It cannot be compared to traditional money as it's not printed by banks. Instead, it is a digital decentralized currency. So what this really means is that cryptocurrencies omit from engaging with financial institutions, you know, like banks. And there is only two parties involved in each transaction, the buyer and the seller. So this is known as peer-to-peer transactions, as it essentially cuts out all the middlemen involved in many of these transactions. So this is much like the way in which our current economy works. Through cryptocurrency, an individual can acquire something and trade for cryptocurrency, and this cryptocurrency can then be used by the seller for other purchases. Really, it's a new type of digital money. However, regulators around the world will not recognize these new mediums as mm-hmm. currency. Instead, they call them crypto assets, um, just not wanting to recognize them as obviously an official currency. Um, I think it's important to recognize as well that cryptocurrency operates through technology called distributed ledger technology. And most people, um, the most popular form of this technology is the blockchain, which is the platform which Bitcoin operates on. 
And I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this, um, again, through social media and through, you know, like what you were saying, TikTok and mm-hmm. Elon Musk and different things. But by way of an example, describe the way that distributed ledger technology really operates and in turn how cryptocurrency operates. I think it's important to just describe how blockchain works because many of the alternative cryptocurrencies in existence in their technology just follow um, the way blockchain works. So basically, all transactions which occur on the blockchain are encrypted. And once this encrypted transaction happens, it added to something called a block. And when a fixed number of transactions have been recorded, that block then gets added to a chain. And this is called the you know the blockchain. And are these actual blocks and actual chains no, in a physical, like in a room somewhere, they're added together? No, it's more... Um, cryptocurrencies go through a process of mining, which is basically um, a, where a series of mathematical puzzles have to be answered on technology to mm-hmm. actually form, you know, this blockchain. But you know, obviously, mining is a process on computers, yeah. so it's intangible. So they use that to describe it. So really, if you looked at it, it would look like a blockchain. But again, yeah. it's all intangible. It's all on these um, mining computers, you know, okay. smart computers and stuff. So. You know, moving into the second half of 2021, there are so many cryptocurrencies in existence. I believe recent research has indicated that there is over 7,000 operating at the moment. And this is pretty crazy considering that in 2019, there was just under 2,000 in existence. Mm-hmm. And I think I seen yesterday as well that at the beginning of 2020, there was actually 4,000. So the growth of this is exponential. So like 7,000 cryptocurrencies, you mean, so Dogecoin is one, Bitcoin yeah. is one. Yeah. So there, there. So there's seven thousand other versions of cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So again, just that's pretty crazy because it's just they're constantly. You know, it's not even that. You know, one moment that's here, one moment's there. It's mm-hmm. tripling. It's constantly growing. But I think you were saying as well in your question, like how is cryptocurrency really important? But I think due to the possibilities that it confers, it really is important. It really does offer an opportunity to solve so many issues within our current monetary system while conferring so many benefits. So firstly, it is said that cryptocurrency was created um, as an answer to the recession in 2008. It was believed that by creating a new digital monetary system which communicated through code and cut out expensive financial intermediaries, issues within our arguably broken financial system could be solved. So through peer-to-peer transactions, you remove slow and expensive processes while regaining control of your finances. I think it is important to flag how many middlemen there are in every single transaction. Um, you know, we make so many transactions in daily life, and, and I always, always would have thought that when I tap my card in the shop, my money goes straight into you know whoever's accounts. Yeah. And I didn't really realize how many people are actually involved, and there really are reams and reams of people, and all they are all paid by the fees that we pay. So, like in the simplest terms, it goes from my bank. It goes from me through my bank to say Spars Bank and other shops can be available. Other Spars Bank and then to whoever's bank account needs to go into then? No, it goes to, you know, so I'll obviously tap my card. It has to be then authorised by my bank. That then has to go to, you know, a few different people in the middle who have to authorise each transaction. It goes goes through so many processes before it actually gets to that person's bank or, you know, their account or you know whatever it may yeah. be because there's obviously so many different businesses but yeah it's 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 really mad but you would think that you know you wouldn't really realize the amount of fees that you're paying in every single mm-hmm. transaction that you make yeah so 
cryptocurrency obviously cuts this out because whenever I am sending my money to you, for example, Jack, mm-hmm. it would just go straight. So that's the part, part, whole idea behind peer-to-peer transaction. You take out all of these fees, you take all of these costs. And this means that cryptocurrency transactions are generally a lot lower, you know, than every other form of um, transfers that exist at the moment. And they're faster because yeah. you cut out all of this. And even more significant is the fact that your personal information remains private, seeing as no bank has to collect reams of information and store it in-house. So does that mean that banks, if this does go the way that people think it's going, that banks will become non-existent? No, definitely not. Um, uh, Something that has been, you know, the idea has been thrown around right now that using distributed ledger technology, we could actually introduce a central bank digital currency. Mm -hmm. So instead of a cryptocurrency, we would actually be introducing a digital form of our money um, using this platform. So basically you would have your digital dollar, your digital euro, your digital pound sterling, and this would basically operate the exact same way a cryptocurrency would, Mm -hmm. but it would protect the bank and its value, you know, without taking away from it. So that's something that we'll come back to, though. It's um, another question that you had said you were going to ask. I think it'd be important to flag it there as well. But, you know, another reason that cryptocurrency is so important is the fact that there's only a finite supply of cryptocurrency, meaning that once it's all purchased, um, no more can be created. And this solves so many issues surrounding printing paper money and inflation. And of course, the double spending problem, which obviously has undeniable benefits. Yeah. So cryptocurrency is also significant given the technological transformations taking place in the world right now. The 21st century has witnessed our lives be permeated by technology and our finances are obviously really no exception. A lot of people use online banking. They pay for most of their daily purchases with their phone or their smartwatch. And during the coronavirus pandemic, the use of these payment methods grew exponentially, particularly as people grew weary of paper money and the possibility that it could spread coronavirus. And the fact that we were all spending all of our time at home and we were doing a lot of online shopping. So cryptocurrencies really do keep up with the global technological advancement and trends. Um, This medium of exchange blends perfectly with these current changes. And, you know, I think a lot of people will be able to get on board with that. Yeah, and as you were saying, obviously, with uh, there only being a certain amount of cryptocurrencies, you see now with coronavirus that the the government has had to print, basically create money to make up for the loss in revenue from businesses, you know, to, to pay out businesses who had to shut. So obviously, cryptocurrency got so popular over lockdown. And it's obviously clearly important that because there's a certain amount of cryptocurrency, the value of that cryptocurrency won't diminish because you can't print any more like money. Like money can diminish because it's printed over and over again. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's, uh, that's obviously a benefit for cryptocurrency because if you hold on to something that there's only a certain amount of, it's always going to be more valuable than something you can c- continuously print. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like the way obviously our monetary system set out was that we were going to have a certain amount of gold in the bank. Mm-hmm. And that we were only allowed to print a certain amount of money in relation to how much gold we actually did have in the bank. But, you know, that's not the way our system works at the moment. There's constant money printing. You know, there's risks of inflation. Prices are going up and turn taxes are going up. It's, you know, it's a continuous problem that just seems to be getting worse and worse. Mm -hmm. So cryptocurrency kind of answers that problem and that it says we only have a certain amount. You know, you can't go further than this. So why don't we take this and put it into our traditional monetary system and see yeah. if we can make it work? Okay, okay. So 
I think as well, you know, cryptocurrencies also offer an opportunity to either house your money in a modern way, as we were talking about just above, you know, the whole idea of technology governing many aspects of our daily lives. But it's also an opportunity just to invest your money and receive a substantial return. In contrast to what many people think, they also offer an opportunity to prevent criminality. All transactions are recorded on a public or private ledger, and these ledgers are immutable. Therefore, they cannot as be as easily subject to identity theft or essentially fraud proof. And there is a transparent audit trail, so dirty money can be followed and eventually caught. Yeah, and we'll actually get on to about anonymity. anonymity? Um, terrible pronunciation there. Um, but we'll get on to that later in the podcast um, when we talk about actual, its use in activism. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk, we'll bring it back to activism now. So anybody who didn't know what cryptocurrency was, you might know what it is now. I hope so. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, so whenever technology is being used um, as a platform to amplify social movements and tackle injustices, so we use social media to promote. We've we seen it with uh, George Floyd. It only became a big issue because it was recorded and put on social media. So it, it's used to tackle inequality, social issues around the globe. And obviously, we, I had to do some reading around this, so I wasn't completely clueless when we were talking about it. So I've seen that cryptocurrency and the technology around it have many benefits for activism. And some people might have thought that buying Dogecoin um, had nothing to do with tackling social injustices. But um, when you look at it, it's actually used to like fund movements. So how, how does that how does that work? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, first of all, a statement that people you know, commonly but incorrectly throw around is that cryptocurrency was created to fuel illicit activity and criminality. And while, of course, it has been used to fund so many of these purposes, um, Bitcoin, the first cryptocurrency to come into existence and the one that I'm sure a lot of people would recognise first and foremost, was not actually created for this purpose. Bitcoin was constructed by Satoshi Nakamoto and people don't know who Satoshi is or whether this name is a pseudonym for people, um, like a group of people, Mm -hmm. a man or a woman. But the architect behind these digital mediums is believed to have created cryptocurrency with the mantra that it was created by the people for the people and could essentially help and serve the unbanked and less fortunate. And as its use grows in popularity, it is beginning to fuel activism um, around the world. It is helping to fund human rights activists, independent nonprofit organizations and journalists. Um, Many activist groups, particularly those only starting up, struggle to gather money and they need to fund themselves. Fortunately, cryptocurrency means that these limited funds can be made stretch further than if they were held within a financial institution. Mm-hmm. This is due to the fact that cryptocurrency transactions are, as mentioned previously, significantly low. You don't require a significant amount of money to set up an account, and activist groups can get more for less with their limited resources. Importantly, this opportunity is significant for poorer countries, where many people do not have access to a bank due to a lack of documentation or funding. Yet a lot of people in these jurisdictions may be able to access the internet or purchase a smartphone, meaning that they can secure their funds on a cryptocurrency platform. All these platforms usually require is access to the internet and verification of their identity, whether that be through a driving license or a passport. And really, this is just to comply with anti-money laundering standards. So, you know, know, check all the balances in place that prevent dirty money. Instead of going to a bank and having to prove where you live, how long you've lived there, whether you've got residency in the country and mm-hmm. um, you can just use one of your id so technically you still have to prove who you are but it's not all of these checks and balances that you have to go through with a normal bank yeah definitely the checks and balances that really exist for many of these platforms is to make sure that you are not 
you know, setting up an account to help fund criminality, yeah. that you're not uh, doing drug trafficking, human trafficking, or that you're not laundering money for, yeah. you know, any particular purpose. And you can actually say, so obviously over the lockdown, nothing else to be at, so I invested in cryptocurrency, and you had to upload a picture of your passport along with a picture of your face. So mm-hmm. it is very, very safe. Absolutely, um, yeah. like, But it just removes some unnecessary barriers that banks have introduced to set up an account. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially, you know, with your driving license, your passport, there's obviously a file there that has all your information on it. You yeah. know, really the things just to prove who you say you are, they have that. And that really is you know, a lot of people, a lot of the things that people need is just your identity. So in Venezuela, for example, cryptocurrency has become commonly used since 2017 because their economy is in that dire state Mm -hmm. that so many people are actually using it just to send money to their families, to buy goods, you know, just to use for their everyday life, their way of paying. So it's in a practical use already. It's already in practical use. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, cryptocurrency is definitely encouraging activism. Cryptocurrency helps to promote freedom of speech and enables activist groups, particularly in countries which are not democratic or governed by dictatorships. As I previously mentioned, cryptocurrencies are decentralized, meaning that governments cannot control them. So what this means really is for many individuals in such countries, their bank accounts are often froze by governments to halt their movements. Yet the government cannot freeze crypto wallets and so they cannot prevent funding um, to silence these groups or stop their activities. So unfortunately money repression exists all over the world and in this regard cryptocurrency is going to enable people to stand up for what they believe in globally, not just in these countries, yeah. you know, that can't afford to store their money in banks. Yeah. But distributed ledger technology, the tech behind cryptocurrency, which we spoke in response to your first question, is also enabling activism. Um, This is through the use of smart contracts and non-fungible tokens. So first of all, um, I would need to explain what these concepts are. Um, Firstly, Nick Sasbo in 1996 introduced the idea of the smart contract, which is essentially digital contracts that do not require intermediaries, are created through code and are thus difficult to dispute or dispute or end. Yeah, so it's not like a a physical, it's not like a page with a contract written out. No, it's kind of like we were talking about before, about the whole idea behind distributed ledger technology being through code. So these contracts are intangible, they're online, but they're also, you know, have to be solved through mathematical puzzles. So basically they're a digital version of the way normal contracts exist today. However, the normal requirements of an offer and acceptance are triggered through a code when a series of maths puzzles are completed. And this confirms that all the parties have agreed. Okay. So it is. So it's like an on, nearly like an online contract. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And non-fungible tokens, though, are different because they're units of a data stored on the digital ledger that certifies the digital asset to be unique and therefore not interchangeable. So again, what this means in simple terms is that they can be used to represent photos, videos, audios, or other types of digital files. And you see that now with NFTs going up for millions of pounds yeah. on the internet. And that's because they can't be re- redone. It's yeah. like a unique a unique thing. Yeah, because it's it's a code. It's okay. you know it's stored. It's you can't change then what exists on the blockchain. So it's so like the Mona Lisa, but if like a, a tech, like a online version of that, it's just yeah. unique. One, yeah, it one can't off. be copied. Can't okay. be copied, which is great though because you're seeing uh, even artists are working on pieces over years and they're actually uploading them now onto, yeah. for example, the blockchain. They're selling them for millions of pounds and it's just that person's own piece of property. Then, yeah. obviously, there's property law that exists around that. You know, these things are just online versions of things that already exist today, mm-hmm. but. 
through NFTs, um, it means that people can actually protest by sending slogans and messages across the platform while funding their organizations. So okay. both small smart contracts and NFTs can serve this purpose. And due to the immutability of this technology, their messages would not be able to be erased. And so governments cannot censor this information or insert information intermediaries or transportation layers to the internet, which essentially blocks this content from being accessible to people on the internet. You know, people won't be able to see them um, normally. This is what the government would do if they, yeah. you know, even with things around coronavirus right now, anybody who's, you know, making up stories that, you know, we're seeing a lot of people saying that the government are going, right, we have to try and regulate this so yeah. that people aren't getting scared unnecessarily. So that's the sort of thing that you won't be able to do with the blockchain. Yeah, so obviously cryptocurrency, when I was, re- I was reading an article online and it was talking about, it wasn't just talking about the funding, it was talking about the protection that people has have while using cryptocurrency for funding social movements. So it was talking about countries where if you do protest against the government, you can be arrested for it. So does cryptocurrency provide that bit of protection rather than using a bank account where you can be easily traced does it allow people to like whistleblow on governments? Are they protected by cryptocurrency? Yeah, so as you were saying there, in many of these countries, um, people who protest against their government often face jail time, discrimination, and unfortunately even death. But cryptocurrency can allow protesters to circumvent these dangers due to blockchain's identity protection technology. The semi-anonymous nature of cryptocurrency essentially means that individuals will be able to send money to activist organizations without being tracked. This also applies for the organizations themselves who can send money and pay for goods and services without the fear that their identities could be uncovered by the governments. Additionally, as we discussed earlier, these groups can also communicate through distributed ledger technology and so can organize demonstrations and meetings without being stopped. Okay. So without fear of punishment and unfortunately, again, all too often death, these groups are enabled uh, to progress their movements and make real legal change before the governments can move in and stop them. Yeah. But this system is also significant for those groups and minorities, such as the LGBTQIA community and those with conflicting religious or political beliefs. Through distributed ledger technology, individuals in these marginalized and threatened groups will be enabled to make a safe space to communicate and build a community while essentially protesting their ill treatment and the law, and they can campaign for their human rights. Yeah. But... While blockchain's identity protection technology will most definitely provide a shield for a lot of these organizations, these groups will still need to be careful about the information that they share as while people do flout cryptocurrency as being totally anonymous, in principle, they aren't as anonymous as made out to be. Okay, so is that is that a good thing that it's not fully, you're not fully protected, you're not fully anonymous? Yeah. The reason being is that obviously in this regard, you would want people to be anonymous. You want yeah. people to be able to campaign for what they believe in because that is, I mean, the backbone of democratic societies and obviously, you know, being able to speak for your human rights, like that's a basic human necessity. Yeah. But, you know, cryptocurrency is obviously used then by some bad identities okay. to money launder, as we spoke about previously. Yeah. So, you know, law enforcement ag- agencies around the world have been using cryptocurrencies, public ledgers to follow criminality. Therefore, okay. some governments who wish to silence such groups may be able to track such individuals if they're not careful in the future. And the way that this operates, you know, the reason that cryptocurrency isn't completely anonymous is because blockchains are typically pseudonymous. You know, you send and you receive cryptocurrency using a pseudonym instead of but instead of a fictitious name um, through your blockchain pseudonym. It's your public address. Okay. And this public address is made up of numbers and letters. Yeah. 
So while this address doesn't reveal any of your personal details, other features of the blockchain can expose you. So you and anyone else can view the entire history of transactions on a blockchain as well as the amount of cryptocurrency that each wallet holds because these ledgers are either public or private. If it's a public ledger, you know, everybody can see what goes on yeah. on the ledger. They can, if, you know, if say I send money to you, you can go into my wallet and you can see everything that I've been doing, who I've been sending money to and who I've been sending money to again is these addresses. Right, okay. So, you know, there's a track there. There's a trace system that obviously big uh, law enforcement agencies can follow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so parties may also be able to intercept your IP address as well. So, you know, if I'm sitting now and I again, I send you money and then for some reason it has to be investigated, the government may able to be able to track my IP address because maybe I haven't blocked it. So... Right, so then when we're talking about, so when you look at online and you see all of the negative press mm-hmm. around cryptocurrency, you see that cryptocurrency is used on the dark web to buy guns and drugs cryptocurrency is used by isis for their fight um and that it's a risky investment is so is that true or is the reward for cryptocurrency better than the risks so i have to say yeah all these statements are completely true yes uh cryptocurrency has been notoriously linked to the dark web since it came to into existence so for example in 2013 the fbi discovered silk road and Silk Road was a dark web website which was used specifically for illegal drug sales. I think over $3 million worth of Bitcoin was actually uncovered. Um, and then more recently, in June of this year, the Met Police uh, seized $180 million worth of cryptocurrency in London, which was said to be linked to international money laundering. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, similarly, obviously, cryptocurrency is believed to be a way in which terrorist organisations such as ISIS, as you mentioned, can raise money to fund their activities like the ways in which I suppose activist groups are using it to yeah, yeah. further their so it's, causes. it's used by both sides. Yeah, it's used okay. by both sides. Um, so for these reasons, many individuals and government bodies, such as the Financial Conduct Authority, still remain highly suspicious of cryptocurrency. Um, the FCA actually early, earlier in this year stated that if consumers invest in these types of products, they should be prepared to lose all of their money. Significantly, many jurisdictions, including China and Nigeria, um, have actually taken the choice to ban cryptocurrency entirely on the okay. basis of these findings. And these nations have stressed that cryptocurrency only promotes criminality. You know, they only look at the negatives. And many in the UK have feared a similar response could be adopted here, considering the Financial Conduct Authority's warnings. Yeah. However, while the stigma does exist, I think a lot of people should remember that paper money still remains the most popular choice um, for criminals to commit criminality. Yeah. And there have been no calls to ban cash. So therefore, to answer your question, these stories are true. But I myself and, you know, a lot of scholar scholarly opinion believe that while these uses are, of course, something which must be monitored and in turn more closely regulated, a lot of people would argue that the rewards offered by cryptocurrency are higher than the risks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, as mentioned in response to your first question, these mediums confer a plethora of benefits and it's important to recognise these uses. So firstly, cryptocurrency may become a successful tool for catching criminals, alternatively, you know, to the stigma. Um, As digital currencies are adopted globally, we may witness the digitalization of finance and these mediums could provide an opportunity to prevent criminality as all associated criminal activity would basically be rendered inoperable due to increased state intervention and tracking. Okay, so you can can use it, uh, so you have to take the bad with the good, you can use it actually to track criminal, criminal use as well because as you said before, you can open up say my 
wallet and you can see my transactions and you see where where maybe I've committed yeah. a crime. So you can use it as well for good. Yeah, because I think then you need to think as well, like, you know, how do you actually upload your money onto these platforms? So, yeah. you know, say I was using my bank or even like Monzo or PayPal, payment yeah. systems like that. You can pay for cryptocurrency by uploading or putting your money through these payment mechanisms mm -hmm. onto these digital platforms. You have your address, your wallet address, yeah. which is made up of these numbers and letters. You know, it's not you, but eventually if law enforcement agencies had to, you know, really, really track it back and follow your trail, mm -hmm. they would say, well, they uploaded their money there. Where did that come from? Where's yeah. that bank account from? So, you know, it would be obviously a very difficult, long process to uncover these individuals, but it's there. It's there in black and white. It's very, very obvious. Yeah. But if you start banning cryptocurrency, these um, bad people, these criminals are going to go underground mm -hmm. and you know, people who migrate to the dark web and, you know, go through all these steps to make sure that they're anonymous is obviously so much more difficult to uncover. Yeah, yeah. And that's when real issues start coming up with drug trafficking, human trafficking, you know, even groups like ISIS, you can't see them, they're not visible. So yeah. if you take the steps now to actually welcome cryptocurrency, take a friendly approach to it, you're going to have this like bank yeah. to be able to you're going to be able to see the yeah. criminality you're going to be able to understand it you're going to be able to follow it and not even that government organizations and um you know people who are following this uh, investigation agencies are actually going to develop tools that are going to grow they're yeah, going to yeah. be able to develop ways to actually and you're only this. able to develop tools um if you do regulate it and bring it in because you have to re you have to develop those tools while you have it but if you push it underground there's there's no way to develop those tools of course yeah it's just like anything you know if you say right we're not going to look into that obviously you're not going to develop you're not going to educate like the whole i think the idea behind this is education is the biggest thing yeah. that we should be given to not only law enforcement agencies but people so that they understand what it is so they're yeah. not afraid of it instead of you know obviously like warnings from the fca like this is bad do not invest your money in this we do not support cryptocurrency. Yeah, no, yeah. not even rap recognizing it as cryptocurrency, recognizing it as a crypto, crypto asset. asset. Okay. So yeah, no, definitely, it's a, a. I think it would be a, almost like a regulatory tool for catching criminals. Yeah. But I think cryptocurrency also presents numerous benefits, which are vital for a struggling economy. So obviously, as we resurface from the coronavirus pandemic, um, there are so many people that are saying, you know, how are we going to build our economy back up again? And recently, Diane Dodds has announced that she has announced an economic vision named Attend by Economy, which promotes a decade of innovation. And included within this vision is the promotion of fintech, which is short for financial technology and innovation in financial services. Belfast is currently ranked 134th on the global stage and ultimately welcoming and regulating cryptocurrency will not only cement Northern Ireland's position on the global charts as an innovative and economic hub, but will also create job opportunities and revolutionise the way payments are made in Northern Ireland. So to answer the second part of your question as to whether cryptocurrencies are a risky investment, I would say that cryptocurrencies most certainly can be a risky investment, particularly if you don't understand them. So when I first began my research, I initially thought that I would look at the illegal uses of cryptocurrencies and ways to regulate this in addition to the market manipulation which accompanies such speculative investments. And while obviously you were saying at the very beginning of this podcast that this is what we're seeing all over TikTok, all over the news, this isn't what I actually found to be the case. Yeah. Instead, I would advise anyone who is eager to learn about and invest in any cryptocurrencies 
should really educate themselves first. They you know listen to podcasts again, just maybe watch YouTube videos and give themselves almost a crash course on how they work. I think it's also important to remember that cryptocurrencies are not only at the beginning of their development and with people manipulating the market, such as Elon Musk, there are going to be both upturns and downturns. More stability um, is likely to come with increased regulations and scrutiny, but again, this is only going to come with time. There's a phrase um, there's, all, there's a phrase within the cryptocurrency community um, called HODL, um, which sounds obviously quite silly, but it translates into holding on for dear life. And as silly as this phrase is, I think it's important um, to actually understand what it's saying. And almost like cryptocurrency isn't a get-rich-quick scheme, nor is yeah. it some type of pyramid scheme, which again, a lot of people are saying at the moment. But it's a very real market, and it has to be understood. And of course, if you don't understand a market, you're guaranteed to lose money. Yeah, so we're obviously going through the teething stages at the moment, like the early stages of cryptocurrency, where Elon can tweet Dogecoin to the moon and it shoots up. Yeah. People make money or people invest then when it's at the top and then they end up losing money. But we have to go through the stage Absolutely. where it has to go through the teething stage. Like, But, yeah, no, that's that's great. So we'll move on to what we were talking about before with your dissertation. Um, so what was the title of your dissertation, the official title? Uh, it was Regulating Cryptocurrency, Why an Official Platform Should Be Adopted in Response to Cryptocurrency in the United Kingdom. Okay, and you got a, f- a first mark of that? I okay. yes. Perfect. So... Obviously, you completed a dissertation in cryptocurrency and you're going on to complete a master in law and technology at Queen's. Yeah. Yeah. So through your research and obviously your interest in this area, how do you see the world of crypto going and are the firms in Northern Ireland jumping on board the crypto train? Well, this is actually quite a difficult question to answer because right now cryptocurrency is getting a lot of bad press, as we've obviously spoke about, Mm -hmm. you know. Regulators in the United Kingdom, the EU and the United States tend to focus on the cons of cryptocurrency rather than the pros. And I think this is really because, you know, a lot of regulators do not understand this space. They see it maybe as a threat to traditional monetary systems. And, you know, with the fact that you're looking at these tables that show the way cryptocurrency operates, you know, it's up and down, it's all over the place, it's really volatile. It's really important that this is the reputation that it has right now you know whenever it does actually hold so many opportunities but in my opinion there are two possible paths which the future holds for cryptocurrency the first which i really hope doesn't happen is that cryptocurrency is strictly regulated to the extent that it's basically rendered inoperable such regulations could stifle innovation within the united kingdom which would completely take away from Satoshi's goals, which was to help people give back to people, over, give them power over their finances and yeah. revolution finan- revolutionize finances and its technology. So does that mean like you're saying regulated too much? Yeah. So that it just becomes part of the system? Yeah. It's already here. Yeah. So I think one of the most popular platforms, which actually is used in the United Kingdom and the US, is Binance. Yeah. And because, you know, regulations are happening so quickly at the moment and are constantly changing, I think quite recently Binance um, was actually told that they weren't complying with the regulations of the United Kingdom, which they thought they had been. And a lot of people pulled their money out. They thought, oh, my God, like I'm going to lose everything that I have here. And in reality, that wasn't the case. The press around it didn't match what was actually going on. And they did, the the UK actually, um, early in 2020, did ban different elements of cryptocurrency activities. Um, They banned the use of futures, um, 
which really again was just a lack of understanding yeah. and once you ban something like we were speaking about you just stop it all together people get scared a lot about press and it doesn't get the opportunity to flourish yeah, to maybe yeah. do what it was intended to do yeah well i so, i invested in binance and i hodled you hodled through good. the through the bad news <laughs> that's very good um but yeah no i definitely think that it would stifle the way that cryptocurrency would be able to operate yeah. you know in the uk and of course this would take a turn then on the rest of the or this would take a, a toll then on other countries because yeah. other countries follow each other's you know particularly eu america um and the united kingdom but the second way that i feel would be a better path hopefully would be that cryptocurrency is regulated in a friendly manner and this then would kick start a technological revolution almost you know, I'm hopeful that this path is the one that we'll take um, and those around the world will also take. And this is hopeful, I think. As mentioned above, Diane Dodd's economic vision does envision te- fintech helping to reboot the Northern Irish economy and mould it for this decade of innovation. This is in addition to those in the UK currently investigating how certain types of cryptocurrency and its underlying technology could improve our current economic system. Notably, the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, has established several initiatives to boost innovation in what they call the crypto asset sector, including the use of the regulatory sandbox. Um, The regulatory sandbox allows those to test and gain support for their ideas, in addition to providing clarity on the UK's current regulations. So there is movement towards regulating in Northern Ireland. There is moves. People are, the government are obviously recognising that it's going, like it is going to happen, so they have to allow it to flourish yeah i think the market at this stage has just become too big to ignore you know it's only been here really since 2013 it's when people started investing and it really started hitting you know the media but i think they're starting to realize now that they can't ignore it anymore Mm -hmm. and i think that the biggest recognition from what i found was when facebook tried to actually launch their own cryptocurrency and the cryptocurrency that they tried to launch was a stable coin so First of all, the United Kingdom is investigating the use of stable coins and stable coins are a type of cryptocurrency which is fixed to a certain asset such as fiat money and they really are designed to stabilize a cryptocurrency's worth by being tied to a fiat asset. Yeah. And what is a fiat? Oh yeah, just regular money, you know, so the pound sterling. Pound, okay. Yeah, it also can be tied to other things so you know if they have a reserve of gold, silver. Okay. But more commonly it is, you know, whatever just money. Yeah, whatever currency the stable coin is created, whichever country it's created in. But Facebook tried to launch their own stablecoin called Libra. But due to Facebook's popularity, you know, it has 2.7 billion active users per month, I believe I read. The project was stopped due to a lack of suitable regulations. And this, I think, from what I've seen, has scared a lot of uh, of the leaders in the EU and, yeah. of course, the United Kingdom. But essentially, stablecoins offer so many benefits and could be a significant step for our economy. So to name only a few... They hold a reserve of state-issued currencies against their assets, which is what you know we just said. Um, and this obviously means that anybody who has the stablecoin, if something goes wrong within the stablecoin, they can redeem or exchange their stablecoins for whatever assets are in reserve. Okay. Um, and this obviously provides greater consumer protections as possessors of those coins can reserve these assets, which is something I think that people are afraid of with Bitcoin if the market goes down and they lose their money, it's gone. It's gone, It's just yeah. a risk that you take. But with stable coins, this isn't as much of an issue. And again, if regulated correctly, and which Facebook was trying to do, I think are currently still trying to do, okay. there's protections there. So Bitcoin isn't a stable coin? No, Bitcoin is the first cryptocurrency to come into existence. So 
Bitcoin is, you know, bog standard cryptocurrency, but yeah. everything that came after Bitcoin is called an alternative cryptocurrency okay. because it's just an alternative to the original. Right, okay. Um, okay. But, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, all these different coins, they really are the same thing. Yeah, it really yeah. is just that Bitcoin was the first. came first, you know, okay. it set the path. Um, but yeah, cryptocurrency or stable coins as well, um, if they are you know, adopted by regulators and by, you know, the people of the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, stable coins could become a significant payment mechanism as they could be utilised for transactions on a global level. So again, we were talking about how fast and cheap these uh, methods of payment are. Yeah. They're also borderless. So they can just be sent. Like I, instead of me sending you, you know, money right now sitting across the room for each other, I could send this to you if you were in America, if you yeah. were in Africa, if you were literally the whole way on the other side of the world, I could send this to you and it would just go instantly. Yeah. Which obviously, again, has its negatives, but there's so, so many benefits. And I think that's particularly important coming out of Brexit, trying to figure out where we are, you know, on the global stage. Yeah. yeah. And again, if regulated correctly, this obviously has major advantages because cryptocurrencies can be used in a transparent way. Well, you've heard it here first, the cryptocurrency <laughs> in Northern Ireland. Everyone will look back on this podcast and say, Megan, you're right or wrong. So you're to blame for anybody At investing in cryptocurrency. Both, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously to finish off, this is the Activist Lawyer podcast and we usually end every podcast kind of the same way, asking the the person around the same question. So um, as a recent law graduate, and like, how did you become interested in activism? And how do you think that it shaped your career path? Because you're only starting off in your career now. So I assume you'll be going into cryptocurrency and we'll be seeing you stand up beside a massive Bitcoin memorial someday <laughs> in 20 years time. But how has activism interested you in the area of law and technology? Well, I think the last two years especially has been a time which has really shaken the world and I think a lot of people have been made stand up and question what is wrong and what's right. You know, this has been really evident after Brexit, the Black Lives Matter movement, American politics and so many other issues, you know, we don't have time to get into right now. But the events of the last two years really spoke to me about what the future holds, especially in our small island and how this is going to impact the rest of my life personally. So being a recent law graduate and, of course, a young woman going into the area of law, you know, a lot of I have a lot of passion for injustice. And this has really made me realize that I want to have a career which inspires and acts for change. You know, I don't want this to just be a nine to five job. And I know maybe that's easily for me to say, maybe quite naive for me to say now, but I don't think it has to be that way. And I've been educated in a time where many of the injustice today permeated class conversations and class time. And the law shifted in various directions, which was very, very difficult to keep up with because there was constant changes. I have so many unanswered questions and I want to be part of the movement that provides an answer. So particularly as we move into a decade, which is going to be fueled by social change and obviously in connection with our conversation, technological advancements, including the legal issues, which come hand in hand with that, of course. Again, I just want to be part of the movement that answers those questions. Yeah. And I, I genuinely think I could be. That is perfect way to end the podcast. So thank you again, Megan, for coming on the thank Activist Lawyer so podcast. Um, it was great to learn about the actual specifics of cryptocurrency behind the tweets from Elon Musk about Dogecoin. So it's been really educational. So thank you again. Yeah, I think you should probably unfollow Elon Musk. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm going to invest whatever he tweets in. Um, but no, that's that's great. And 
look that's that's a wrap everybody thank you so much for listening again and um, we've got a couple of podcasts coming up with really great guests so if you want to keep up to date make sure to follow us on social media we're on instagram facebook twitter um, and if you want to listen to any of our previous episodes you can visit us on theactivistlawyer.com so thank you again for listening and thank you megan for coming on thank you again for having me it's been great bye-bye This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.